Are you looking for a great sci-fi read? If so, be sure and grab The Return by best-selling author Gabriella Balcom. Readers are calling it a thrilling ride that's fascinating and amazing. The world doesn't know about the compound hidden underground, and the wealthy investors funding it want things to stay as they are. It's 2030, and scientists have made numerous scientific advances. They use cutting-edge technology with their feline service units and human replicas, HRs as they're commonly known. However, most of the research being conducted in the facility is illegal. If animal rights activists had an inkling of what went on, they'd be clamoring for justice. Human rights activists would scream from the rooftops. More and more of the HRs are dying and they long for freedom. One of the top scientists isn't happy with the situation either. Tensions are mounting, and things are not as they appear. Other reader comments about The Return include, This is a thrilling ride. I hope there's a sequel. Man, it got me hooked. Best plot twist I've read in a book. You'll love this book. It had me on the edge of my seat. For more of Gabriella's works, check her out on Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle form. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Myth Bits. You made an excellent choice. G'day from SA. This is Tim here with episode 230 of The World of Mythbits. And we've got a couple of huge things to mention um, from uh, our CEO, Mr. David K. Montoya. Uh, just jumping ahead to housekeeping quickly and right off the top uh, number one Dark Myth Publications is gearing up for its double release next month first will be Stephanie J. Bardi's Penance which will hit the uh, website uh, Mythbits um, sorry Mythmart and, and also Amazon I think as well the 7th of July and then the second place winner of the 2022 Open Contract Challenge, uh, Robert P. Ottoni, will come out with his ebook Last Hi- Last Horror Hero on the 18th of July, I believe it is. Uh, and then also, uh, just as a uh, a little sneak in there as well, my uh, fantasy novella. Um, Myrtle Norton's Guide to Taking Over the World uh, will actually be the next one on the list and that should be coming out sometime early August, I believe, which I'm super excited about. Uh, Also, um, huge, huge, huge news for uh, Dark Myth Publishing and for the, or especially for the JZO Modcast um, podcast network. Uh, Dave has now signed a one-year agreement uh, has been reached and signed to add the JZO Modcast Podcast Network to Cirrus XM Radio and Pandora Radio under their podcast library, which is really cool. I'm uh, I'm really thrilled about this, and I believe uh, 
this may be the very first episode uh, of the podcasts that um, that goes to uh, Sirius XM and Pandora Radio. So hopefully we've got some new listeners out there. Welcome aboard. Welcome to uh, Dark Myth Publishing and the World of Myth Bits. Um, so of course the shows are World of Myth Bits, um, Pastrami Nation, My Public Life as an American Nerd, Looper's Bits, and Mythmaster Beyond. So uh, yeah, watch out for those um, coming to Sirius XM Radio and also to uh, Pandora Radio under their podcast library. This is super, super exciting news. And then Dark Myth Comics is moving to its next distribution plan step as the website was created and will go live for the public on September the 1st, 2023, which is pretty cool as well. Uh, then the semi-finals of the Open Contract Challenge will close on the 7th of July. So if we can please make sure those that are still in the, uh, the 2023 Open Contract Challenge... Please make sure that your synopsis, your synopses are turned in by or before the 7th of the 7th, which I think is just around the corner. And then the board of directors met last week and agreed to make David K. Montoya a co-publisher of the company and also discussed how the company is growing and becoming more assertive. Um, yeah, I've noticed that too. The the leaps and bounds that Dark Myth Publishing uh, and that um, the um, Jazo uh, Mon uh, and also Dark Myth, Dark Myth uh, Comics as well are going leaps and bounds. Um, in, incredible what uh, what you're doing, um, David, with the company. Uh, also, Steph, your involvement as well. Uh, everybody else that's uh, that's part of the board too. Um, and also, uh, Dave just wanted me to mention as well, as a final thing for housekeeping, remember to send in submissions for the next issue of World of Myth magazine. Uh, so I think the, so the e-magazine for September uh, has closed and the e-magazine for October has closed now submissions for that. Um, so we're looking at uh, coming up November so that will close the 15th of July. So we're, um, we're back to um, the 15th again uh, of each month. I know for the, um, the October uh, Halloween edition, I know that the uh, submission window was extended. Uh, but we're back to um, getting back to the habit of, uh, of the 15th of each month. So make sure that you get in those submissions for the um, November edition. Uh, and then the end of September, oh, sorry, 15th of September, we will be looking for our Christmassy themed, um, summer themed, um, your, uh, your submissions there. So that's, uh, that's what I've got for, um, for housekeeping. Uh, and then Dave has been wonderful enough to, uh, to give me a great theme for, um, this edition for, uh, for edition 230, episode 230, uh, is what are the top five things that are great about being an author? And I have a wonderful friend here with me today, Kylie. How are you going, Kylie? I'm good, thank you. So Kylie uh, and I are both amateur writers. Um, 
madly trying to uh, to send out our works into the stratosphere and uh, and hopefully find readers that enjoy it. Or at least find an outlet for all of the angst that we have. Yes, the uh, the um, the creativity. The creativity. Or angst. Angst, yes. A- angst, angst is probably um, some sometimes uh, definitely a, a good swap out word for uh, for creativity. Um, so I've got Kylie over here uh, to give me some uh, wonderful advice about um, other opportunities that uh, that I can look at for um, for my writing and some of the stories that haven't found homes yet. And probably some of the stories that have already found homes but haven't been published in book form or that sort of thing. So we'll probably chat a bit about that. But um, yeah, interesting to sort of think about that that top five reasons of why we got into writing or what, what's great about being a writer. And, uh, and I think writing can certainly be challenging, can't it, Kylie? Absolutely. I mean... It's all well and good to have ideas in your head, but turning those ideas into something that other people can understand is hard, uh, and also something that people want to understand. They want to read it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm finding, especially going back through some of the old, like the original stuff that I was writing back in my high school days, and I'm I'm looking at that and I'm going you know what, the, the grammar's all wrong or the, um, what, what I'm like, there's, there's some of the stuff that I've written, especially in, um, in the, the later high school years where I've gone, that's disturbing or it's, um, like probably not, I've, I'm a changed person compared to what I was back then and what I was writing and do, do I really want to share that? Is that something that people... Oh, I'm absolutely not ever sharing anything I wrote in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's dangerous. <laughs> I think that's yeah. super dangerous. So kind of, I feel like anything you wrote before you turn into like a real adult, quotations, um, I don't think anyone needs to see that. I think that's just almost like a diary. It's like where you're exploring your writing style, who you are, and how you want the words to appear on the page. And I don't think... That, yeah, I would want to share anything I wrote in high school. Uh, I'm a little bit the opposite. I've sort of dug around and I found some, like, in my year, year nine, year ten, sort of my innocent years. But, um, yeah, some of it's cute, some of it's nice. I, like, I have shared some of it before. Like, there's stories that I, I used to, like, I'd get my mum a box of chocolates for her birthday, but I'd also write her a story. And yeah. some some of that stuff... I've actually shared on like the world of myth, uh, and also uh, I've sort of dug up and and re-edited and uh, and sent off to other anthologies, and I've done all right. See, I read anything I wrote before, really my twenty-first birthday, and I cringe so hard, yeah. and I just I'm like, no. I mean, I have funny stories that I've written. I wrote a story when I was in grade three yep. um, that was just about my weekend, but my mum was drunk and, I'd, <laughs> and I had written a story about her being drunk. And while I thought it was hilarious, I also gave to my school teacher and my mother was appalled and embarrassed that yes. I had the goal to, to do that because I didn't see 
And he, yeah, and yeah, he I, was, I was in grade three. I don't know how old was I, like eight or nine years yeah. old. Like, I didn't see an issue with it. And now that's a cute story. However, when I got into high school, you know, you start learning things. You have hormones. A lot of my stories are definitely X-rated from high school too, and yeah. things you definitely wouldn't publish in a in a broader sense today. I I, I could probably give you a site or two. Where oh, I yeah. publish my writing on those particular sites, but that's not what I want to be known for. No, I, true. I, I have no. De- it's not that I don't have a desire to be known for that, but I want my real creative stories to be what I'm known for, not the stuff that's easy to write. Yes, and I think that yep. sort of stuff it's it's far easier to write. True. Yeah. Yep. You um. If you're if you're trying to engage with below the waist it's yeah it, it can be can be a bit of silly fun sometimes yeah. and it's a good creative when, when you're not feeling super creative but you want to write and you want something quick and fast to write they're really easy and they're good quick to publish and people eat that stuff up yeah. i mean there is a huge audience out there for that sort of writing yeah um and it's really coming back at the moment there's a lot of authors who are actually seeing like real growth in in naughty stories, yeah. like in yeah. anything, especially in the the female population or the women who read those books, like absolutely. Yes. Yeah. They're actually, well, once we finish here, I I might get a uh, a side or two off you. Yeah. Sure. To uh, to uh, explore opportunities. Yeah. I like um, when I first started writing, I never even thought or considered myself able to write that type of story uh, and when you give it a go and you have a bit of a fun with it yeah it's uh it's i mean i think we yeah. also grew up in very different households with different backgrounds too that's true different sexualities that's true true so you know it was also a way as a young uh, queer person who couldn't possibly come out back in those days no who was trying to pretend to be normal, yep. it gave me a place to explore my sexuality in a safe space too. Yes. Yep. Um, and that's another thing that one of the best reasons that I love being a writer is it's a safe space to explore any kind of idea that you have that you may not want to or are not ready to explore in the real world. That's true. Like like with my sexuality. There's it's definitely... No- nothing's taboo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and well, hang on, I wouldn't go that far. There's definitely no, still things that are taboo. It, but well, well, let's let's say, Kylie, if you're not sharing it, yeah, you're just writing it for yourself. Yeah. Whether you write it and you hide it away behind numerous firewalls and or even just yeah. an alias, like a lot of yes. the stuff that I publish, I don't publish under my name because yep. I have. You know, it's just fun stuff. It's not something, again, like I said, that I really want to be known for at this point in time. Maybe when I hone the art and it's not so crude, yeah. I will, maybe that's what I will end up doing because it's something I know I'm good at. Yes. But I still would like to also be known for other things as well. Yeah, yeah. I actually, uh, speaking of, uh, of pseudonyms or using different names, I got into trouble the other day. I, uh, I published a couple of things that were a bit more dark and a bit more twisted than I'd normally write. Uh, and I thought, oh, you know what, I'll, um, I'll publish them under TJ, so my first two initials, and then Galash. I thought I'd steal my wife's maiden name. 
and, and then when that got uh, got accepted and I um, did my little Facebook spiel of, hey, TJ's like ended up getting something published. Um, my lovely wife's gone, mm, who's TJ Galash? <laughs> Oops. Yes. Might, might pay to, to check with your pseudonyms, uh, who you're borrowing your pseudonym from. That's first. true. Yes. Yeah. No, good advice. That is great advice. And I wish I'd thought of it earlier. <laughs> but no, I think you're right. The opportunity to write, to write, to, to be a writer and that creative or that, um, that way of releasing angst, I think is great. You don't have to share it. I mean, I don't share. Yeah. Probably 75% of what I write, I don't share. Yeah. Um, I use it. I, I don't journal anymore. I used to when I was obviously, you know, well, not obviously, but a lot of young people, especially in the 90s before we had the internet, yes, we would write in a diary, we would journal, and that was what we did to, you know, we didn't have friends that we could talk to yeah. at, at the drop of a hat. We had to wait till the next morning. Um, the other thing I did was write letters to my friends with that sort of stuff in it as well. Like yeah. we would write to each other all the time. I mean, sometimes I fear that we've lost, the art of writing in today's generation. They can type. Yes. But can they but, write? Yeah. Um, you know, but that's what we did. We would write letters. I'd come home from school and I wouldn't see my friends for a whole, like, 12 hours. What am I going to do? Yeah. And, I, you know, something exciting could have happened on the way home. There might have been a cute boy or there might have been a cute girl. Yep. Or, you know, my parents might have been complaining about my music, but I had something that I wanted to get off my chest and that was really the only way to do it. Um, you know, was to write them a letter or write it out in, in some form and, and get it out of your system. Yes, yeah. And then it was the whole, there was further angst then of you putting it in the diary and somebody finding the diary. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, well, in, I think, grade 10, my best friend and I came up with a secret code language. That so is cool. that we could write letters to each other without our parents knowing what was in them. Yeah. And um, yep. to this day, I think we could sort of drum out what it is because both of us have lost the key. Yeah, yeah. So, but we still have plenty of letters. I kept, I I kept all my letters from high school. I have a shoebox full of all the letters from high school, and I could yeah, I can still pull some of them out and sort of like try and figure out what we were trying to say. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. Get a gist. Usually, usually you you look for the um, the character that props up the most. Well, and, and also that, that's it was generally very generally an E. But. It was very simple. I mean, we were like fourteen years old, I think, at this point. It wasn't a hugely difficult cipher. It was just something that we knew our parents wouldn't figure out. Yes, because our parents weren't going to sit down and oh well, this letter means this, and they no, wouldn't they exactly. Would, it was something that if anyone picked up our diaries or our letters, they'd have a glance and they'd be like, oh, that's too much, and they'd put yeah. it away again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's very cool. It's, yeah, it's thinking, thinking back on that, that past has sort of made us, like, I've, I, love, like I love reading books, but not all of the books that I was reading growing up had the stories that I wanted to tell. Or the 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 book the stories that I was reading were sort of influencing or encouraging me to write my own. Because you couldn't find a book with what you were trying to say with yeah. your voice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so it was yeah, it was a real thrill to be able to like that's what I that's why I still write now, is because for the most part, when you're looking at a blank page, 
the ideas are sort of floating around in your head and then as they come out you're the first person to experience that story yeah i i think for me it's more i'm the second i'm re-experiencing it because most of my stories i roll around in my head for weeks yes it's not longer before i get them out i'm not really good at the whole look at a bank blank page and start writing yeah i have to mull an idea over in my head and then i'll make notes in my phone yeah notes i have an iphone and the notes app in my phone is always full of ideas if I wake up in the middle of the night having had the most bizarro dream, yeah. they're the best ones because yeah. they are like sort of the alternate stories that I'll write where it's just dystopian sort of worlds and things like that because my dreams tend to be completely, either completely normal, so like a normal day where you get up, you have a shower, you go do what you're doing or completely the opposite where everything's like twisted and yeah. up to, upside down and that sort of thing. So, yeah. yeah. And I, they're, they're great story, yeah. like... The, the the roots are there to to sort of explore a bit more and sort of pull it pull it a string and see what happens. Yeah, I'd love to write something really dystopian. Uh, some of my favourite books that I read when I was very young were dystopian type ones. I've been trying to track down, actually, and my friend in Canada has tracked down three of the books. Um, the Anthony Pierce Mode series. Yes. Um, or Pierce Anthony, rather. Yeah, Pierce um, Anthony, yes. Yeah, I always get it around the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. I was very young when I first read the books, and I haven't read them for 20, 30 years, probably. Yep. Um, on Audible, you can only get three of the four stories. Yeah. And I'm like, why? I can't just listen to one, two, and four. No. Because it's going to bother me if I don't get to listen to three. Yes. <laughs> um, on Amazon, some of the books are going for over $100, and I'm wow. like... Okay, so I've been searching here locally, I've been searching interstate, and um, because I have a friend in Canada, they've gone to some bookstores there and they've found three of the books for $25. So we're okay. just now trying to track down the last one. Is it what, two, two, three, and four? Or one, two, and three? I think she picked up one, two, and four as well. Oh, no. It's like that third okay. book is some sort of weirdness. And I reckon yeah. the same thing happened to my dad because I only read one, two and four as well. He's okay. the one that I got the books from. And I know they're in the shed somewhere, but yeah, yeah. there are well over two thousand books in our shed. So yeah. trying to find three or four books out of that Yeah, is not gonna uh, happen. It's not gonna happen. Yeah. But yeah, this this wanting to track down this story that was so crazy about yeah. this whole world has been become sort of like a I don't know. A, a personal mission. It is definitely, yeah, yeah. it's a personal mission. And, and I think part of it is because that's the kind of story I really want to write. And it's what yep. I'm really feeling like writing at the moment. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's the, the dark, weird. Completely not real at all. Yeah. Something that I want. You can pick up a book today about almost anything. Yes. Right? But true fantasy and true, you know, not real things as so hard to find yeah you find fantasy with dragons everyone's writing about dragons game of thrones re gave rebirth to dragons and those kind yeah. of fantasies it's the hugely popular now castles medieval yeah. type themes those sort of things but dystopian things like space you know it's like science fiction fantasy yes is really not a huge genre that you find a lot of today no no um, and i while fantasy is always going to be my favorite genre I really want to delve into writing some sort of science fiction fantasy. Yeah. Uh, would you consider Anne McCaffrey, like the Pern? I know Pern's one of your 
all-time I, favorite. Um, I think hers is more fantasy than science fiction. Yeah, fantasy. okay. Because um, I know there there have been sort of comments swaying the other way with the the scientific elements. And yeah, and I think it. You know, you sit on either side of the fence, and that's the great thing too about writing. Well, not always, but most of the to- most communities, you can have a really healthy debate about writing and stories and where they fit yeah. into a genre, if they even need to fit. That's a whole different discussion, but yes, why do we need to label stories? But yeah, yeah I think, you know, writers tend to be more intellectual and are more willing to have a heated debate without getting to the point where they call names. And, yes. And, and yeah. it delves into something like... It doesn't have to come to blows. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, and we can be far more eloquent with our insults too, so I find that to be always interesting. Yes, that's true. Yeah. It's like, what did you call me? Actually, what did you call me? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to have to find yeah. out where. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, it's um. I hope yeah, I hope you do find that third book to sort of fill that set that part of the puzzle. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully, it's what inspires you to um to sort of delve into that sort of arena I'm, I'm already yourself. developing some characters but it's the world that I'm having the most trouble with yes. characters are easy because characters are still people right even in a fantasy if you're going to have humans in it they're yeah. pretty easy to, to they're gonna write. they're gonna act like humans yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. the world that I'm yeah. struggling with because I've got to make it up all on my own right yes um, and I don't want to copy anything else that's out there not because I'm worried about copying someone i the whole point of this journey that I'm trying to take is to write something that is completely unique, unique. original. Yeah. 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 And that's a massive challenge. Yeah. Because I've read, I don't know, probably easily 20,000 books in my lifetime. Yeah. I, I mean, when I was in high school, my first year of high school, I read over 700 books. Like, I was reading, on average, two books a day. Yeah. Like, some of them were small, shorter novellas and stuff, but I was still reading two books a day. Like, yeah. And up until I turned into a proper adult, I guess, uh, quotations, yes, I, yeah. I was reading yep. a lot. I read hundreds of books every year. Um, now I'm lucky if I can read 12 books a year. My goal is always to read at least a book a month. And last year that didn't happen. Um, it's, so is it the physically reading or listening physically to... Physically reading. Uh, listening I can do. I yep. listen to a lot of audio books. But physically reading a book is... Far more a challenge. Yeah, because you've got to make that time. Yep. To actually sit. Whereas with the wonder of audiobooks is you can be doing stuff. You can yep. be driving. You can be doing the dishes or... Um, I have my audiobook when I'm doing anything. So if I... When I go to get into the shower, I have my little speaker outside the shower. Yep. I put... Well, as soon as I get into the bathroom, I put my audiobook on and I get organised. I have my shower. I brush my teeth all while listening to my audiobook. Yep. And you yep. can fit an audiobook into your day. Like before, when I get up in the morning, if I'm having trouble waking up, I'll put my audiobook on while I'm getting organised. When I go to sleep every night, the way I fall asleep is with my audiobook. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, physically reading a book, I'm finding far more challenging, especially as I get older. Like, yes. Take that slice out of like the pressures of real life yeah. and being like air quotes, an adult. Yeah. It's yeah, it makes it incredibly difficult. You feel lazy almost. If you sit down to read a book, you almost feel lazy because yeah. you're literally doing nothing. 
Which is funny, though, because we don't... Sit, when you sit down to watch TV, you don't feel lazy. No. And yet, we're, we're doing probably less there than we are engaging in a book. Yeah, absolutely. But why? I mean, that's, again, maybe another topic for another time. Yeah, know, to, absolutely. To delve into why people don't read anymore and, and those who do read, like, how they consume their books. I know that audiobooks are definitely becoming super popular because of that reason. Yes. Yeah. And there's the argument too that I see in a lot of books groups that I'm in about is audiobooks, are you really reading if you're listening? Because you're not reading a book, you're listening to a book. And a lot of people get really uh, hung up they on They gatekeep yeah. it. They gatekeep yeah. their reading because, oh, well, I sit down and read my book. And I'm like, yeah. but you still process the same information no matter whether you listen to it or you read it. It's still yeah, processing correct. the same information. Yeah. Are, you, are you hearing it in your mind or are you listening to it via your ears? Speaking of audiobooks, have you turned any of your books or writing into audio yet? No, I would love to. I would love to. The um the I I know where I can record it like here locally. We're really lucky in that um by our old train station, which is the uh the youth center. Yeah. Um they've turned the old bakehouse into an amazing recording studio. Awesome. So I, I know there's a place and I know the people that I need to contact in order to, to make it happen. But I've just had four weeks off from work and I haven't, had, I haven't found the time to actually be able to go there and even record one of my short stories. Yeah. Um, I do record, like I, I'm on iPhone as well. And I do record like poetry or that sort of thing that I'll send to places that want a um like a an audio version. So there's there's stuff that I've done out there. Uh also a a few of my poems, um I've got a uh, a wonderful man over in um in England that does um, he records uh, poetry um, for for po- uh, for poets as well, uh, and shares that via a YouTube channel. So uh, Alan uh, Alan Johnson has actually recorded a few of my poems uh, as well for the um, the Poets Lounge. Yeah. So there's yeah there's stuff of mine that is out there that well, is maybe in, that's in another audio. outlet you could do is YouTube is an interesting place. Um, I've started exploring YouTube as a place to share my creative, uh, maybe not so much in writing, but more, um, I'm probably going to head in a different direction with my YouTube, but you could always set up a quiet space in your house, set up your camera and record your poetry and upload it to YouTube. There's no reason why you couldn't do that yourself. Um, or even your short stories, um, just reading them on YouTube for people to yeah, the, um, consume that way. That'll be something I'd be very excited to, to look into and, uh, yeah, maybe and get into. we can talk about that after. I can teach yeah, you a few definitely. things. definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that'll be wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, what else can we sort of look at? The So the top five, we're looking at top five. I think we've really not discussed, I think maybe two things so far. Um, there are a lot of things that aren't great about being an amateur writer? <laughs> I don't know if we want to spend too much time on them. Like I said, it's very easy to... It's 
especially for me, it's very easy to find the negatives. Um, it, when, especially when I'm in a writing slump, I feel like I'm in a bit of a writing slump at the moment. It's very easy to find the negative things. Um, yes. The biggest one being getting, like, when you're in a slump, how do you get out of a slump? It's, it's so difficult. You, uh, you, you write something erotic, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that is one way. But yes. when you're trying to get back into writing something serious and all you can do is write, like, you know, just quick, trashy stories, yeah. how, how do you break out of that? And there is no easy answer to yeah, that. Yeah, no. I mean, there... everyone has a different way of dealing with writer's block. Um, I, I've found with mine, I've, I've been lucky enough over this holiday period that I've had a couple of projects that I've had to work on and, and refine and finish. And I got to a point where there was something hanging over my head. Um, and I did feel blocked. I didn't feel like that story was going to flow. But I had three or four other projects that I could sort of look at that were due a week after or the end of that month or that sort of thing that I got those done quicker because those were the ideas that were sort of floating around in my head. And once I'd got through those, I found that the, like, I had a, a 6K story that I had to write that I was at one and a half K and didn't know where it was going to go. And then after I'd finished those projects, I sat down and I went, right, I'm going to write it, I'm going to do it, um, and ended up with nine. And now I'm going to, like, at the moment, that's what I'm working on at the moment, is I don't normally edit, and I don't normally have to hack and slash and, and cut a lot out. Like some of the projects that I've, I've done, I've sort of flicked off something and the editor's gone, I like it, but tell me more about this, or... How about we rephrase this line this way or that sort of thing, which I'm perfectly happy with to sort of work with the editor um, and sort of make those changes and improve the story or uh, that sort of thing. But I've, I've never had to sort of go back over my work and go, okay, so 9,000 words is too many. I need to find 3,000 or 2,500 words to lose. Yeah, it's a a unique and daunting experience for me. I do you keep your original work before you cut it though to maybe expand on another time for a further project? Or, yeah, yep. Yeah. So I've got like that. That's a difficult thing as well. Is sometimes I will have a a story that I've I've written, and then going back over it, I've then got like five or six different versions that I can't remember which one's the one that I'm working on yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's like a, that a, oh no and then there was like one I wanted to start working on a bit more and expand it and I'm like oh, I've got these great ideas I've gone I've clicked on what I thought was the most up-to-date version and there's like four words instead of the 2000 that were meant to be there and I'm like, that's obviously the wrong one. I'm going to have to teach you about some uh, ways to naming conventions and stuff in your yes. files, I think. Yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah. That's one thing I don't have a problem with because I am super into technology. Excuse me. I'm also really a little OCD about organisation. My mm. data yeah. is super organised. It's all categorised. It's all dated. All my versions have version numbers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't have any problem with that particular 
uh, thing when it comes to writing. Yep. Um, I probably spend more time organising my data than I do actually, actually writing, writing it. it. <laughs> uh, that's a whole other problem. But the the other issue that I've got too is keeping track of when I've sent something and whether it's been rejected or that sort of thing. I've. Well, I mean, I can help you with that too. I have a. I mean, I don't have. I publish myself, so I don't have to worry about that sort of thing. Yep. But I am super good at organisation. So yes. for that kind of thing, I would set up like an Excel spreadsheet. Yep. And I would put the title, the date you've sent it off. Yep. Um, and that way you can keep track of those things. As long as you go in and update that once a week, you can keep track of where everything is and who it's been sent to. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, and Google is a really great resource for all of that because you can set it up with your email, all your files are there and you don't you can access them from anywhere. Yeah. Um, I find that to be a really good tool for anything to do with organisation, not good. specifically writing related, but any kind of organising you need to do with your life, Google is certainly my preferred uh, yeah. place to do okay. it. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good to know. Good recommendation. Yeah. 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 No, something else to uh, to explore after. Um. So, you reckon we've probably covered off maybe two or three things that are great yeah. about being a writer? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, we've talked about, you know, creative outlets, not just for creativity, but for emotional. Um, we've talked about a safe space to explore ourselves, um, a way to connect with other people. Yes. Um Let's see. I mean, writing is great. Um, I guess, as an amateur writer, what do you think... And we were talking about this just before we started recording. Yes. What you think makes you a professional? What what makes you that step into a professional writer? And I would say when you get a book published by a big company, you know, like a big book company. Yes. Um, but what denotes a big book company these days there's yeah, so many great indie book publishers out there absolutely that i mean maybe we need to redefine what we think is a is a is it, well maybe a not not an amateur professional writer do we need to redefine what that means today? I, I i've always had a um an idea of i will feel like i'm a professional writer when I rock up at a barbecue or I rock up at a party and somebody says, what do you do? And I say, oh, I'm a writer. Oh, have I heard of anything that you've written? Oh, I've recently published this or this. Oh, you're that person. Okay. See, I, I would disagree because not every... I mean, that's like you're talking international stardom. You're talking like full-on, like, you know... Stephen King type. Yeah. Type. The people people yeah. know who Stephen King is. Yeah, people see, know I don't who think, Daniel Steele is. I people... don't, yeah, I don't think you need to go that far to say you're a professional writer. No. I mean, I, I think that's a, a, I'd, I'd love that. I mean, that's, I think that's every writer's dream. Yeah, it'd be, be incredible. The next Stephen King or the next Daniel Steele or yes. the next whoever you want to be. Yeah. But I think that that's, I don't think you need to be those people to be a professional writer either. I think plenty of our local writers who most people wouldn't have heard about yeah. um, who have published with big book companies still, if they went to a barbecue and they said, well, I'm a writer and people asked them, well, would I have read anything you've written? They'll say, probably, probably not. not. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, but I don't think that makes him any less a professional writer. No, that's I mean, true. One thing you were talking about was that you're a librarian, um, and that's your job. So when you are no longer doing, when your job is, is to be a writer, yeah, that that would make you a professional. It, writer. Yes, it would. Yes. Um, whether whether you're a household name or not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, I don't know. I could say that technically my job right now is a writer because I don't have a, a proper job right now. Uh, I mean, I'm unemployed, but I'm not necessarily looking for work because I've got some illnesses. But yeah. I could easily say because I spend a good majority of my time writing that I'm a writer. And that does that make me a professional writer? Absolutely not. My writing is not professional. Yeah. Uh, it's not of a yeah. quality that I think that any publisher would pick up. Um, so, yeah, I think defining. So it's your, your ability? Yeah. Your experience? And it's your own personal. I mean, there are people out there who write who may have, um, I don't know, overinflated senses of themselves that's who may true. think that, that they're professional they are already, professional already yeah. and they've never even published anything um so i think part of it comes down to your own interpretation too it'd yes. be interesting to see what your listeners think about what they would term a professional writer versus an amateur writer yeah because i think you'll find that the majority of people that listen to the podcast are the people that are publishing with the online magazine or they're publishing elsewhere or they're certainly certainly writing i i don't know the um the breakdown of percentage exactly but i would say that a, a good 85 percent of the the people that do tune in uh, regularly and the, that do listen will be people that consider themselves writers yeah i mean i think anyone can be a writer to be honest i think whether or not Anyone wants to read what you've written? Well, that's I think is the, yes. is the point, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I've been lucky enough that a lot of the stuff that I've written, especially over like the last four years, five years, um, twenty twenty eighteen seemed to be my turning point, where I discovered a lot of opportunities to publish online and. And I think because that was when the world of online, like, sort of you started getting involved in yes. the online world. Yep. I think before that you were pretty, um, just, not, not, just not involved in it. You had a family, you had other things that were more important to be doing yes. than to yep. be involved in, in, on, in the online world because it is sometimes can be a completely different world to what the real world is. Oh, absolutely. I have a whole family of people on there, friends on there that I've never met, but I would consider them just as good a friend as I do you. Yes. Because I've spent equally, if not more time with them. Um, you know, we talk about everything. We do the same things. We just don't do it next to each other. We do yeah. it over a phone line or over a voice or over yeah. a video conversation. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's... you. You can't, especially these days, you can't turn around and say, oh, well, it's not face-to-face because it is still face-to-face. Yeah. It's your, your face-to-face via a, a screen yeah. for um, a lot of those long, longer-distance um, occasions, but it's still face-to-face. Yeah, and, 
it's funny how like 20 years ago when I first got on the internet and I was you know exploring making friends and that sort of thing people thought it was weird people were like how can you talk to somebody you know on the other yeah. side of the world how can you say you're friends with them you've never met them they could be yeah. some you know fat man that's talking to you and I'm yeah. like okay sure there is that gamble yeah. but at the same time I'm not divulging anything you know super personal that I wouldn't have divulged to somebody else in that I've known in in school and in high school, that's just as dangerous. What well, I thought oh, was exactly. just as dangerous. You could tell your deepest secrets to someone, and the next day they could turn around and tell the whole school. Yes, like it was no more dangerous telling some random stranger on the internet than it was telling your best friend at school because yeah. the next day they could turn around and not be your best friend. Yeah, but now it's accepted to be having friends online. It's accepted to be part of that online world. But I've been doing this for twenty years. I've yes. been a part of the online world. The, my MySpace and ICQ yeah. and... Yeah, yeah. I was just the other day trying to remember. I used to know my ICQ number off by heart, but I think it is one of those things that has fallen to the age, uh, to my age, where I can't remember things yeah. as well as I used to, and I think my ICQ number has fallen off to the wayside, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to explain to my son um, the other day what MySpace was and what ICQ was, and I think we, we ended up determining that it was what Facebook is now. Yeah. It, it's kind of a combination, I guess, because yeah. ICQ was a messenger service. It yeah. was only... You, and you could do voice, I think. They did, at the end, have voice capabilities for it. Um, but MySpace was almost like a personalised Facebook. I think yes. the thing that we're missing from social media today is MySpace, honestly. I think being able to personalise the space to be able to talk about more who you are. Yeah. You know, not necessarily who your top five favourite people are because I've always found that really like a very high school thing. But yeah. just being able to put... For instance, when you go to my Facebook page, you'll see some photos and you'll see some status updates and you won't see a lot about who I am though. No. Right, but when you went to my space, you'd see my favourite bands and you could put your writing on face on, on my space, you could put your yep. you know, you could put your favourite colour, whatever. But you could put things of a more personal nature. More meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um so I do think uh that someone's probably gonna see hear this and steal my idea, but that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I really would love to see a social media that was a bit more personalised, something you could that you could uh make more you. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Rather than the sort of the multiple options that we've got available that don't really... They all have a certain purpose. Like, yeah. I find that Twitter is uh, dying, thanks to, to Musk. Um, Twitter is dying, but Twitter was always a, a really crazy place to be. I love being on Twitter for the just the complete chaos. Yeah, uh, you just blurt out what's, what's up here. Well, it's not just yeah. that. It's just the, the chaos is in... It's not... Like Facebook tends to be sort of more family orientated, I find, in a lot of ways, where, you know, you've got your mum and your dad and, you know, your cousins your and stuff and you, on yep. there, whereas Twitter mm-hmm. tends to be a very, not anonymous place, but it's certainly a very crazy place, uh, like, as far as people will say anything, and I mean anything, on there just to get... A people, reaction. Yeah, reactions. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Facebook, you tend to be a bit more conservative, I yeah. think. Bit more careful. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got yeah. like Tumblr, which is honestly a long form version of Twitter, I think. Yeah. <laughs> With pictures. 
Um, but yeah, like all of your different social medias all have a different place in the world and they all do a different thing. Yes. There's no one that does everything. No, no. But I think, like you say, there's a gap. There absolutely is a gap. Yep. I mean, the ideas that I have in my head are not just... I think part of being a writer is being creative too. Yes. Like, you know, I have a lot of creative outlets. I like to paint. I like to even do those stupid diamond paintings, even though they frustrate me to no end. I like doing those. Um, but I, I like to just colour in. I have a niece and a nephew who are in the colouring in stages of their life. Yeah. And I love sitting at the kitchen table and just no, colouring. Let's colour in together. Yeah. Yep. Like, I get more into it than they do a yep. lot of the time. Um, yeah. But I think as writers, we are naturally creative people, so we have ideas about all sorts of things to do with life. Yes. The, um, some of the debates that I've had with my son have been fantastic. Yeah. He, it must of... be good to have your child turning into someone that you can actually have like real conversations with. Yes. You know, yeah. things of... Things that are going to matter in, in 10 or 20 years' time, things he's going to, he, he's going to remember, you know, when he gets yes. older and he has his own family. Yeah. No, it is... Uh, I know it frustrates his mum to no end. The, the <laughs> I'm sort sure. Of the... the uh, our, yeah, our son is turning into somebody who is his own person and he has, like, a, a great... Um, friendship group at school which is helping him to develop his identity and helping him to um, to strengthen those ideas that he's got and I think when he comes back home and he tries to an- announce them and expect us to sort of take them on and go yep cool that's who that's you and that's who you are and that's what you believe and that's awesome we're going to pick at it and we're going to question it we're going to challenge it but I think hopefully in a way that helps him to see that there are other opinions and other other options but he likes to think that he is right well he's a teenager yeah. in high school do you not remember what it was like when you were a teenager in high school I, I spent most of the time under the covers with a torch and a book me too yeah. but I still yeah, yeah. saw everything that I knew was right yeah true. there was no even though I didn't have a huge amount of friends or I didn't do a lot of the social things that other people did yeah I still was right about everything I knew yeah a hundred percent yeah um my views were it my parents were wrong mm. my brother was wrong everyone was wrong well, I was right yeah um, I think that's part of the teenage thing. You that's know. planting the seed of angst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Angst yeah. was is it's just part of being a teenager. I don't know yeah. any teenager, and anyone who says they weren't angsty as a teenager is lying. Yeah. Um, we all went through that stage of like finding ourselves, and I think that's what angst partially is. Yeah. Is finding yourself because it's pretty. It can be scary. Yeah, it certainly um, helps you to guide you along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, but it can be scary, you know, when you think about when you're a teenager and you go back to what you were writing as a teenager, I mean, like you said, you don't mind publishing some of your stuff, but I'm sure there are things that you wouldn't want to publish because being a teenager is super scary and you were probably exploring or even just getting some of that angst or that, that attitude out. I mean, attitude is definitely a good word for it. We have a four-year-old in our house and attitude is a huge thing right now so yes. it's a word that I, I spend a lot of time yeah, lose the attitude is, is my yeah. favorite saying at the moment um, and as teenagers I think you know I think we become adults when we lose that attitude 
when we start to realise that, you know... We need to conform. Well, I don't think conform. I'm never going to... I don't conform, but... Yeah, but we we need to slot ourselves. No, see, I don't do that either, but I know what you mean. I feel like that's what people expect, and a lot of people do that, but... Yeah. We just need to start finding a way to fit in to society. Not necessarily changing ourselves, but when we are in the public eye, you know, like things like what, with young kids touching their genitals, right? Yep. Teaching them how to, there's a play, time and a place. And I think yeah, yeah. as teenagers, we need to, again, we need to learn the time and a place to have our thoughts and opinions or to say uh, thoughts and opinions, you know, yes. because there is a time and a place even for certain thoughts and certain opinions, uh, you know, because you should be always careful uh, as to what you're saying and who you're saying it around because... If you haven't thought through something very well, and as a teenager you don't really think things no. through, you can offend someone. And, you know, do you want to do that? Is that something you're willing to take the risk on? Or should you maybe sit down and think about the idea a bit longer before yeah. uh, you do that? I and think, then maybe find a way to and keep maybe the that's idea, another, but present it in a different light. Yeah, and maybe yeah. that's a top five. Maybe that's the top one thing about writing is when you are a writer, when you are writing, you get the chance to speak and say something that you are passionate about and you get to share your ideas and thoughts with people but they are edited they are (laughs) checked you get to go through and read and you you know so when you are putting a thought out there you're pretty sure you're like 95 percent confident that that's what you wanted to say i mean because there's always room for doubt um you know some more than others but i think maybe that's probably the top i would say almost the top thing is that you get to share your thoughts and opinions but you get to edit them and you get to make sure that you are this is what i want to say yeah no well that's pretty awesome thank you kylie thank you for your time and i reckon making it to that top one and i think a pretty good top one yeah i reckon might be a good spot to sort of wrap this session up i reckon no but it has been an absolute joy to sort of chat with you i'm looking forward to spending the afternoon exploring other ideas as well and other opportunities. I, I feel like we're going to spend a lot of time talking and not a lot of time writing, but I'm yeah, okay true. with that. That is true. Me too. <laughs> Definitely. No, that's been awesome. Thank you, Kylie. Thank you.